Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. <laughs> Joining me today are Chris. Hey. Brent. Hello. TJ. Hello. And myself, David. So, for an outline, we're going to talk about our homework assignment from last week, which is The Host, the Korean movie, not the Stephanie Meyer penned adaptation. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was Wait, adaptation. I messed up. I accidentally watched The Guest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good movie. It is a good movie. <laughs> so, we're going to do The Host and then get into our main topic, which is video game movies. And also, movies that feel like video games. Mm-hmm. Video games that feel like movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that a thing? The kind of, the things that feel like each other that are stuff. Good talk. <laughs> yeah. Good talking Professional talk. podcast. Now on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Very brief, for a brief stint on iTunes. Early. <laughs> Re- rejected by <laughs> iTunes. We should have a counter, like, it's been seven days since we've been rejected. <laughs> you mean, wait, do you mean it's been one week? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Alright, so we'll kick it off with talking about the host 2005-ish Korean movie by Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. I like this movie a lot. I'm happy that I watched it again. I know that there's lots of mixed opinion because this is a movie that doesn't know what to do with itself. Yeah. It is equal parts funny and frightening and like a family adventure movie. Um, Very dramatic at moments, too. Yeah. It kind of has all the tones in it. There's like slapstick, farce, and tragedy. And There's definitely horror. like political yeah, satire like, all throughout. Yeah. That's, it's, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. It's a very interesting movie. Yeah. The, the weird thing I was talking to Chris about earlier was the uh, scene at like the wake for all the people who died. Yeah. And they're all like rolling around <laughs> on the ground crying. I was laughing I was butt too. off and I was like, Cassandra, I need you to watch this <laughs> and tell me if it's okay for me to be laughing because nowhere on the wikipedia page is the word comedy mentioned yeah in fact uh, I, was, I was watching with ashley as well and uh she said you know very early on in the movie she said oh this is, this is a comedy and i looked it up on wikipedia as well and i said well not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> it just says monster movie so. yeah i think I, that scene's definitely supposed to be comedic yeah like, yeah and you have the the drunk brother who ends up drop kicking yeah <laughs> uh, yeah uh, Gang, gang do? Yeah, from a complete <laughs> sitting position, cross leg, can in one motion just like flips and drop kicks him. <laughs> so many like little moments of like weird slapstick humor like that. Like, yeah. There's the guy in the, the hazmat suit who's going out to tell everybody everything yeah. about it and then like completely slips and like goes like nobody yeah. even notices. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And then it had like heartbreaking moments like when the yeah. dad dies. Yeah. And then when, the, when there's no ammo in the gun. Yeah. Like, and at the oh. end too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you have the son counting the fingers for for the bullets. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those yeah, really yeah that was just heartbreaking. Yeah. And then I thought it was it's it's really fun because you have that like really sincere moments, and then you know when they're all when they all return to the snack cart, you know the main character falls asleep, <laughs> like sitting upright, and like the father gets really serious and sits down and is like about to give this speech about like why he's a little different, and then he just tells a story about like this nonsense story about like, how like he doesn't have enough protein, yeah, in his diet because he used to steal watermelons his like senryu or whatever it was called yeah. <laughs> and and all he did was eat watermelons and get beaten as a child <laughs> by farmers <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I thought that that scene played as serious though like him oh, not, oh, not they, being they serious i mean I think... abandoning his son but it is just juxtaposition with the other two kids are falling asleep while he's telling the story yes they're like almost actively snoring in his yeah. face the, the one kid is falling asleep like while gripping the pump of a shotgun mm-hmm. and, like basically like almost like racking around as he's like catching himself but yeah i i, I really like the movie and i think the the scene for me that is 
like the biggest payoff is um, in the end when you've got you know the aunt, uncle, and father, and they're all like they finally confront uh, the host. I guess maybe that's not what the host is supposed to mean, but they confront the monster. And it's like, oh, like, she's not, like, a shit archer. Like, and, like, oh, this is this guy's, like, political activism with him, like, these, like, perfect throws of Molotovs, except for, you know, one. And then he takes the the sign with the concrete around the bottom and, unlike the beginning where he can barely lift it, just, like, like picks it up, cracks the concrete off, and, like, stops the monster from dousing itself. And it's just this, like, moment of, like, this is super pretentious. But it's the French word frisson, which means... Like a feeling of thrill and excitement and joy, like mm-hmm. all kind of like at at once, and that that to me is like just like that chills moment where it's like cool. This movie like reached a resolution. Yeah, I tried um, to think a little uh, critically about the movie, like take out some themes, and I think that scene is is kind of the epitome of the theme of like abandonment. Yeah, that kind of runs throughout the movie. It begins with uh, Herschel from Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird. Abandoning the chemicals and not really caring, being lazy. That kind of leads to the monster being created. Yeah. And then you got how Gangdu, the, the lazy father, is created. is because yeah. the grandfather was lazy, abandoned him. Yeah. You know, you got this monster that's abandoned. You got Gangdu who's abandoned. The All the children abandon each other. Yeah. There's the, the son who's a drunk who kind of just goes off. Mm-hmm. And that is when they all finally come together as a family. Yeah. And you kind of, you know, spoiler alert, I'm hoping you've seen it at this point, if you're <laughs> listening, the seven people. But <laughs> Gangdu's daughter ends up dying, Yeah. but there's a homeless child who was also picked up by the monster. Yeah. It kind of ends the cycle of abandonment of Gangdu taking the son, mm-hmm. and I think it's symbolic him sharing a meal with him, which mm-hmm. is like the meal his dad never did with him with yeah. as a kid, because he would go out drinking. Yeah. And there's and it's good. It's, yeah, it's a good movie. That's, those are all good points. It's still, it's it's interesting that it doesn't. And I always assume with filmmakers that are that level, especially in a movie that's like on a lot of top ten lists for that year. Yeah, like internationally, worldwide. That while it didn't know what it was doing, or while it felt like it didn't know what it was doing, I'm sure it was all on purpose. Oh it's yes, just, it's I mean, interesting to think about because it, it it felt very yeah. And I think that, and I think that that is kind of Bong Joon Ho. He, I mean, not I'm not gonna pretend like I know his entire filmography, but you know, doesn't ever really feel tied down to a single genre when he sets out to make a movie. Um, the Good, the Bad, and the Weird is by him also, right? I'm not sure. I think it is only because the actor who plays Gung Du is also in it, and they work together a lot. That guy's like a superstar. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that like the good, the bad, and the weird. By the title, it's like kind of a western, but then there's like weird sci-fi to it, and it's a dark comedy, and then just like outright slapstick. But I think that that might be indicative of the director's work. But I, I really liked it, and I think that that year it probably would have would have found its way into foreign language just because of how well respected it was. But it's, it has that scene in the beginning with Scott Wilson, and if it's got English dialogue, it's not eligible. Yeah. There's also the uh, the American scientist or engineer later on. Yeah. You know when they capture Gung Du and are about to give him a lobotomy? <laughs> um, he just like, you know, just one of the weird tone things. He randomly has a lazy eye when, yeah. you, when you see yeah. him. Yeah, it's the right same before, kind of thing. There's some English there. Yeah. Right before Gung Du steals a syringe of his own blood to shoot the fake virus at people. <laughs> It's kind of. I mean, he basically has a lobotomy. They like open his oh, brain up, yeah. and he's he is almost better. Yeah, they, <laughs> because of it, they lobotomize him. <laughs> they they drive 
drills into his forehead, and he's like a better father afterwards. I gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd. Did, did y'all rate it on Letterboxd? I, I did. Uh, I went three and a half. I, I liked it. I, I thought there was... Too I, much reading? <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm not trying to like paint you as like the town idiots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't like to read. Uh, no, uh... Yeah, I thought it was kind of all over the place, but I also admire it for being willing to be all over the place. Yeah, that's and that's the main thing I liked about it was that I think I liked the the process and the decisions made more than I liked the final output. Which I, I just I don't know. I, I really respect filmmakers going for it, no matter how yeah. out there it is. Like I felt the same way about Super, which we talked about recently, which mm-hmm. was just like weird, lots of strange decisions in this. There's lots of like shocking and sad moments and. Yeah, I almost give like an extra star, half star to that. Yeah, alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so being ballsy. I, I did not enjoy not it. pulling any punches. Right, I would definitely recommend it to to anyone. Yeah, it's fun. Because <laughs> nothing else. It's is got fun. like a singular voice that runs yeah. through it. Where there's not another movie that really reminds me of the host. Yeah, and it's, it's, right. It was, sure. it, I think it was, and you know, this is back in maybe 2007 when I was at up at UGA, our like the local art house movie theater. I actually didn't even think the theater was open then, but like when it was open. Uh, they had a screening of it, and I went and saw it in theaters for the first time. Was like that was my entrance into like, well, shit. Like I need to be watching more foreign movies. Like there's no reason why I'm not watching more foreign movies. Yeah, it kind of breaks the mold of the foreign movie. Is kind of sad and depressing, esoteric, and, and read like, subtitles and esoteric, and nothing happens. Yeah. And it is like full action comedy slapstick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I sing that movie's high praises to anyone who listened, which isn't a lot of people, but Sing. You guys you guys all watched it. <laughs> so I feel I feel feel good about myself. <laughs> we but. did it. Was it was a rewatch for y'all too, David and Chris? It yeah. was a rewatch for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic. This podcast doesn't know what it's doing either. Do with that what you will, listeners. You've like, never seen it before, right? Bro? No, not. Yeah, I, I feel like following up last week's podcast about rewatchability, download it now. It's still available. <laughs> oh, <I can't. laughs> it's another category uh, now for me. Rewatching movies because I'm told. Yeah, <laughs> because you agreed to this. <laughs> yeah. Making David regret the podcast. Yeah. All right, now we're going to talk about what we've been watching or playing. Uh, it'll be a somewhat abbreviated. Uh, we've been cramming for Oscar movies, and we're going to have a full-on... All right, so I'll start off with what we've been watching. I keep Each week I keep pointing to people to start it off, so I'll do it myself. Do it. Um, I'll just touch on a, a few things. I saw... It is Oscar, but I'm probably not going to talk about it on the podcast, but I saw a man called Ev. Ev. <laughs> Yeah. From Sweden. <laughs> uh, it was available on Amazon to rent for like $4. So I wanted to see at least one movie that was nominated for Best Foreign Language. And it is really great. Nice. It's probably one of my favorite movies of the year that I've seen. Mm. It's one of the only movies that's actually heartwarming of all the movies that are nominated for Oscars. So it doesn't have a chance to win the foreign film. Doesn't have a shot in That's Swedish hell. But it's really good. It's got like, like what I talk about. If you take stereotypical characters, but if you give them some genuine characteristics and stuff, it's very rewarding. There's a crusty old... Swedish Clint Eastwood guy who hates everybody, and you know where the movie's going, but it still hits you anyway. Hmm. You know he's going to soften, but they do a great job of you know using some flashbacks and uh, just just for a hook. It's not a spoiler alert because it happens like the first five minutes of the movie. He keeps trying to figure out ways to kill himself. 
<laughs> but nice. he keeps triggering flashbacks to th- throughout his life, and he keeps something keeps happening. Like someone asked to borrow a ladder, and he has to go yell at them, or you know, he's got to finish something first for him to be able to commit suicide. But it's it's funny and it's heartwarming. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a romp. Yeah, so I I, I highly recommend that. Other than that, um, let's see. I saw a movie called Dope. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a good movie. Yeah, you saw it. Yeah, I like I like that movie. Yeah, it's really. Uh, I like. I'm a sucker for coming of age movies, and it has a unique point of view, like hip hop. It's kind of like a, a hip hop version of the girl next door, a little bit. <laughs> when the when the rich girl, I forget the exact what what exactly she does, but uh, when she gets like high out of her mind mm-hmm. and. Runs into the street. That is one of my favorite parts. Am I thinking of the right? Yeah, movie? that's that's okay. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Her name's Lily. Worried. And they start calling the the drug Lily. Yeah. Take Lily. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really funny. It's got a unique point of view, like I said, and acting's really good in it. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's it for me. And cool. as far as I haven't really been playing very much. Yeah, I beat Star Tropics three weeks ago. I still failed to mention it, so I'm just going to take credit for it. <laughs> beat Star Tropics by Solid. myself. <laughs> Um, likewise in Herculean Tasks, and I'm not going to talk about this, or maybe I'll have to talk about it, but so it'll be brief. It did finish OJ Made in America. Whoa. Wow. Um, and someone gets a fucking medal. Yeah. Like they just finished Cheers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but what I wanted to talk about was also an Oscar movie that I will, I don't think either of you three have seen, isn't going to be at the top of any of my lists is Silence. Um, the uh, Andrew Garfield uh, Adam Driver rom-com about their vacation <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, so it's it's Jesuits uh, Jesuit priests from Portugal are sent to find out what happened to Liam Neeson after he was taken um, <laughs> by the Japanese. Hilarity ensues. Yeah. Um, and this is like 1600s. Um, I don't know if they were still feudal states. I think they were feudal Japan. And it's, I mean, it is a very visually striking movie. I think that of the two movies where Andrew Garfield is evangelizing his Christian faith towards uh, people who just don't understand him, it is better than Hacksaw Ridge. Um, but it doesn't have as fun of a title. Instead of like, I won't touch a gun, it's like, I won't step on Jesus. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have the best accent for a European. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like I, by the time the movie ended, it's and this is no 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 spoilies. Um, <laughs> I was I was unaware. No step, <laughs> no steppy, please. I was I was. Sorry, that's just the funniest. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd heard it out loud yet. That's definitely please. That's so good. Um, but there was a. Um... So silence is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So silence is is a movie, and you can watch it, but I, I wouldn't. <laughs> Let me ask this. <laughs> Fair enough. Is it uh, like striking? At least the yes cinematography. I think cinematography is great. The acting is great. Adam Driver's accents a little eh but it still sounds very good the all of the the the, the Japanese supporting cast like the villagers and like the feudal leaders are like really well acted um specifically thinking about our upcoming topic Itchy the Killer the main bad guy from Itchy the Killer the Japanese 
kind of like torture porn movie. The character Kakihara in that plays kind of like the constantly sinning uh, student hmm. who is like always looking for his repentance. And he's he's probably my favorite part of it. Yeah, but it's it's almost cartoonish how often he betrays Andrew Garfield <laughs> and then like runs back and is like, please, please, like let me confess my sins. Let me ask how. Uh... If you didn't know it was a Scorsese movie going in and you watched the whole thing, would you have thought it was like Scorsese movies? Um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask, uh, but I will answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, against better judgment. It feels... Like the first time? Like the first time. Okay. No, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Like, you know, Scorsese turning the lens on foreign cultures and their acceptance, to me, not knowing... You know, a lot of like not having the the active vocabulary. It's it, it's a it's not a stretch in the way the movie plays out the way that I would have expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very well it's it's well acted, it's well shot, and if that, those things are the two mainstays of a great Scorsese film, then it does those. Yeah, so, he. I mean, I think he doesn't come across as a. This is not to get off topic too far, but doesn't come across as like a great creative mind. It sounds like a knock on a really great director. But like, I don't feel like it's like you know Tarantino or Coen Brothers even. But I feel like Scorsese is like clockwork. Like he does have a style though. Yeah, he yeah. does. It's just not like. Was there a long montage with music over it? No, at some point? no. There was there was no music. Oh, it was, I was, I was a pretty ask, quiet so that movie. Does not feel like a Scorsese movie. <laughs> I was going to ask you as a non sequitur about how Coen's brothers. Is I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. It's kind of a running question. Yeah. In our podcast. Uh, it's it's just a, it's it's a very, seems like really low on the coast, but there's skills. Crazy yeah. Arizona. <laughs> it's it's just a really stark, very it's a really brown movie. Like it's really brown and gray. It seems like a uh, I I've just seen the trailer and stuff. I haven't seen the yeah. movie, but it seems like it's almost the tone of the movie and the feel of it and how you watch it is almost like you know I don't know repenting for sins is watching this movie. Yeah, it seems like I don't know what's the word for that. <laughs> Like, contemplated to the point of engaging in misery for redemption. Yeah. It's very brown, very not flashy, very... And, like, even, you know, there's a brief scene, a couple brief scenes in Portugal when Garfield and uh, Driver are making their pitch to go look for Liam Neeson against the church's best wishes. Even that, like, I thought that they would use that to, like, you know, juxtapose with all the gray, brown, boring shit. That, like, they would make it, like, colorful and vibrant and, like, this is the Western world and we have civilization because that's the tone throughout the rest of the movie. Um, but, no, it's just as brown and gray as the rest. Hmm. Um, but, yeah. I'm trying to contain laughter because uh, I realized this while talking to someone about Hacksaw Ridge is that if I don't use the word Andrew and I just use his last name, <laughs> I think of the cat. <laughs> so it's, it's a great scene in Portugal where Garfield maybe silence. He loves lasagna. Yeah. That's where it's a Monday. Hates mon- yeah, hates Mondays and persecution. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about. I know I went long, but... Yeah, I did not. I watched mostly Oscar movies, which we'll talk about on the Oscar podcast. Uh, after I finished my run-up to the Oscars, I was ready to watch something kind of mind-numbing, so I picked out a Netflix movie from Norway, filmed in 2010, called Troll Hunter, and it was a lot of fun. Just, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, it's found footage and just fun action, and it's a very pretty movie because Norway is gorgeous. It's the, the only foreign movie I've rewatched. I've seen it a few times. Yeah, so there's, there's some good scary bits. Uh, the scariest thing in the whole movie is, uh... A man trying to uh, pull a trailer around narrow, curvy Norwegian roads, <laughs> oh, man. yeah, mountain roads. 
That's by far the scariest thing to me in that movie was like, man, he's gonna he's gonna have an accident. <laughs> His insurance is oh, gonna no. go up. <laughs> like, Chekhov's hairpin turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I recommend that. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's uh, it's it's fun. Yeah, and exactly what it sounds like to do is about troll hunting. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah. I'm going to bring up one movie. I, I only watched Oscar movies this past week, but uh, one that I won't really get to argue for or against because I'm the only one who's seen it in this group is, uh, well, really there's two, but really I want to talk about 20th Century Women, which is, uh, if not to harp on the rankings thing, but it's one of five five-star movies that got nominated this year that I saw, mm. in my opinion. It was really, really good. Very mumblecore, but the script was actually pretty detailed. Really, really funny moments. And that bidding is fantastic. Billy Crudup is super adorable. Um, Elle Fanning's good. And Greta? Greta Gerwig is mine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely see that as soon as it comes out on any streaming services or whatever. I think it's still in theaters right now. Yep. So, yeah. Billy, it's, it's really good. Billy Crudup and Greta Gerwig are both in that? Yep. And Jackie? Yep. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, another one I am going to say for the for the Oscar podcast song just because it was it's a uh, it's got a chance to impact some awards I think. But I watched L. I don't think any of y'all have seen that either. Mm-hmm. No, I actively um, don't want to watch it. Yeah, it's it's a it was a chore, not in a like dragging way. The movie didn't bore at all, but it is it is a lot. I do you have it? one question for Brent? Still playing Skyrim. Uh, no, st- still not playing Skyrim. I haven't played Skyrim in probably almost a month. If you were to turn on your game system, what game would you play? Other than any features for the site. Oh, probably Skyrim. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. It'll probably be, it'll be the next game I'll play. I've just been watching so many Oscar movies that I've Yeah, yeah the, you know, I think I'm almost at the burnout point for watching, trying to catch up on stuff. Yeah. They nominate just enough. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh... 107 different nominations given to over 40 movies. It's just a lot of stuff. It's, in it's 40 less than a seven, month. 47 feature length movies that yeah. got nominated. Yeah. And right. our friend Al has seen 38. 38. I'm at 30. Chris is real close right behind me. I'm probably around 20. Yeah, I'm about 22. Yeah, yeah it's it's a lot. You, you, David, normally get started a little earlier because we'll go hit the theater because me and David read a lot. As early as what, like August, yeah. July. We try to figure out the earliest time we can do our our speculation for nominations. <laughs> yeah, typically around September. <laughs> yeah, so we call Arrival in the theaters in like October, and then David and we saw Manchester before the nominees came out for sure. Yep. But yeah, all in too. Saw that before. Do what? Saw La La before as well. Yeah, mm. we were pretty, anyway. pretty confident in its nomination. Yeah. Anyway, so I think that's enough for what we've been watching and playing. I think uh, we wanted to touch on some a couple things of news that happened and visit Brent's News Corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I ran across these little bits of news uh, yesterday, and I thought uh, I was pretty excited about them. So first off, J.J. Uh, Abrams announced there's going to be a uh, new series on Hulu that he's running, or I don't know. He, he usually sticks with the series for like three episodes and then bails on it out. Let's the showrunner take over. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, it's gonna it's called Castle Rock and it's gonna be based on the works of Stephen King, which uh, I'm excited about because I like Stephen King. Yeah, he generally does not attach his name to things that aren't great. J.J. Yeah. Abrams. Oh right, yeah. Abrams. Steve, Stephen King has missed a few times. <laughs> but, but I will say, Hulu did a good job with the other King property they had, which was eleven twenty two sixty three. I've always wanted to see it. I never. It was good. Um, it's a good. It's a quick watch too. It's a good miniseries with James Franco. Franco's really good in it too. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, his sidekick in that series is the kid from uh, Captain Fantastic, the oldest son yeah. of ah. Captain Fantastic. Hmm. So that guy's a good good actor. 
the other bit of news is, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but Disney is remaking all their animated classics into live-action movies now, because... It's non-stop. Because yeah. Jungle Book did gangbusters. Yeah. I can't watch The Bachelorette on Monday without getting an exclusive sneak peek <laughs> at a new live-action Disney. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is going to make so much money. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. That is just, like, printing money. Anyway, Jon Favreau is uh, making a live-action Lion King next. And uh, they announced that Simba's voice actor has been cast, and it is uh, Donald Glover, who everyone loves right now. Yeah. He's, he's having a moment, man. Atlanta, Lando. His new album is great. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Childish Gambino. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's, he's born like 20 minutes from here. Yeah. Where we record. Yeah. 20 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah that, that's exciting. I, I want everything for Donald Glover from way back watching him on Community. Like, back when there was a push for him to be uh, uh, Spider-Man. The yeah. Miles Morales. Yeah. Version. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, if they were starting with this, I would be skeptical. But having seen The Jungle Book, I'm kind of all in for whatever they want to do yeah, until they screw something up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they should recast Idris Elba as the big bad. Because I thought he was great in Jungle Book. Yeah, he could be Scar. Yeah. Yeah. it would be interesting seeing all the, the voice acting news kind of eke out about that. Who's Timon? Who's Pumbaa? Oh man, because the way that it came out with the Jungle Book, it was like they had they they kept teasing like one a week and then show mm-hmm. like their the CGI poster with like the actor standing in front of it and then like a week later there'd be another one that would come out. It was just like such a hype fest. I think Bill Murray was the first, and everyone just like lost mm-hmm. their minds and was just on board. Bro, Bill Murray's such a good believer. Yeah, yeah, that was a great, yeah. great goal. Yeah, I like what they did with the uh, the snake too. What the heck is the snake's name? Ka? Ka. Where it was, was it as... So I was making a noise, randomly. Brenda the hairball. That's how I call it. But yeah, the, the, they took... They went way different than the cartoon went with with Ka. But it was, it was fun. It was good. Mm-hmm. Ka. I, I, it a lot. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen the cartoon. Really? Yeah. Get off my plane. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Anyway, that's all the news from Brent's News Corner. <laughs> that's all. It's the a news. small corner. <laughs> that's all the news there is. Period. <laughs> all right, that takes us into our main topic: uh, video game movies and movies that feel like video game movies. <laughs> <laughs> movies that feel like video game movies. Movie yeah. games that feel like videos. Yeah, you're the dog now, man. <laughs> so um, yeah, we can just get into this. We may not have a lot of people's favorites because, for the most part, video game movies have been fairly unsuccessful. But yeah. does anyone have a favorite adaptation of a video game? Just to start off, hmm. I think that the the Mortal Kombat movie, not Annihilation, is probably the most one of the most faithful video game to movie adaptations that delivers what the game would want it to deliver. It is a nonsense fighting tournament. You know, people get bootstrapped into it. There's, you know, like Christopher Lambert just, you know, acting his weird hat off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that that song, that Mortal Kombat song, is just perfect, even though it never appears in any of the games. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's a great adaptation. You've got, like, the fan service of Scorpion. They have that fight in the bamboo forest where he does, like, the, you know, back forward low punch to get over here. Mm-hmm. Like, the sound bite that most people know from Mortal Kombat. You know, even like the stage evolution with like punching them up and or punching them like down into like the hell area. Scorpion pulling off his mask and doing a fatality. It just I don't know. I think it suits everything that Mortal Kombat would want a movie to do. Yeah, and it's pretty hard to uh, 
like movieify that video game too. They yeah, did a good job of you know, especially we were talking about the different stages. Yeah, because it's all Mortal Kombat is segments and going up the ladder to fight you know the the big bad guy. Yeah, kind of do a good job with that progression. It's like it's a fighting game where like the 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 cutscenes in it, if you can call them that, are just like like zoom into the top of a tower with people's faces on it. Like a slow pan down to the bottom, and then like the fight starts <laughs> yeah. when it lands on the portrait of the person you're fighting against. There's apparently like an yeah. elaborate mythology to the Mortal Kombat series that I just really don't elaborate. understand. <laughs> I mean, there's there's like ten main games in the Mortal Kombat franchise, and then like lots of other weird side games, like that stupid RPG one with Sub Zero that was impossible. Oh yeah, um, side scrolling one. Yeah, where they were they were going to launch like a series of like. This is our RPG to explain this character's backstory. And then they did the Sub-Zero one, and it was hard, and it was bad. And so they didn't do any more of those. It's like the X-Men Origins Wolverine version. It's yeah. like the first one. All right, we're done. Yeah, they slated the Magneto one, and they I don't know if that's still on the horizon. But mm-hmm. but yeah, Mortal Kombat's my pick for most faithful. And also, it's like one of the most fun. I, I, I don't like it a lot, <laughs> like you said. Um, I think when TJ and I were doing our intensive research for this, we went on Wikipedia and sorted by a Rotten Tomato score. Um, that was the extent of our research. I just picture you guys in the lab in the laboratory in a library, like the movie Seven. <laughs> like you guys looking up books. <laughs> yeah, I've been racking my brain trying to think of a good video game movie, and I thought of Mortal Kombat just as a an adequate video game movie. And that's all I could come up with. <laughs> I think really the first Resident Evil is, I would call it adequate. Yeah. Silent Hill's fine, but most of them are just bad. See, I think, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, my my entry, despite you trying to slam it, is Silent Hill. <laughs> Jesus. It wasn't like, a, like an assassination. How dare attempt. you? It is fine. Actually, fine's pretty good for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I think we talked last week that I'm a big fan of the Silent Hill series, mm-hmm. and I think video game adaptations work when you're not directly adapting story. And something like Silent Hill, the tone is something you could easily try to replicate. Maybe not easy. It's a kind of a tough tone to nail. But like sound design and atmosphere is kind of what you're going to get right from that Silent Hill franchise. And you know, maybe I'm a little biased because I really enjoy those games. Like the psychological horror of it. Like especially sound design is legendary in those games. Mm-hmm. You know, the you get the uh, the klaxon air horn. You know, going from place to place and the transition from the two yeah. kind of realms. Interesting. And the creepy Cronenbergian uh, villains that are all you know, the bad guys that are all kind of deformed representations uh they they nail a, a good part of what makes that that series pretty good they don't nail everything no they fail to kill sean bean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they are for you yeah i don't know serve it serving up on a up, <laughs> up on a plate <laughs> i would have stayed past the credits just because i assume there's more to it if sean bean makes it to the credits like i was just like wait guys it's not over yet <laughs> sean bean made it there's still a chance you hear the air horn you hear the dragging of a giant cleaver pyramid head just like, Hey guys, forget about me. Hello! Uh, little house <laughs> <laughs> I never die. But yeah, I think that I think the movie nails it in terms of production design, sound design, and making you feel, you know, anxious and agitated. Yeah. Which is I guess what I enjoy about Silent Hill. It's kinda of weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think tonally it kinda of knocks it out of the park as far as matching the source material. Now, like the source material of like a Silent Hill plot isn't that great to begin with, which I think no. which I think is what squares it as like it was fine. Like you can't you can't sell that movie to someone who's never played the game and go like this is a good movie. Right. I mean the the the, the plot is never the 
best part of a Silent Hill game. Like yeah. you, you go for the you know terribly anxious hang. It's yeah. not a good hang, but it's, it's very unique. Kind of the feel of that world. Yeah, it's the it's the I'm walking into a room like and there's a bunch of mannequins who are all posed like they're going to stab me. You know, I hope they all stay like mannequins and like not ever like unrattle. And I love the uh, the thing they translate in the movie is I think they have it in the movie is the uh, the the radio. It picks up the static when you're around, yeah. uh, you know, monsters that are that are going to try to eat your face. Yeah, that's it's really effective in the the video game of you know you go through some rooms, don't hear anything, but you get in a room and the camera angle is just on you. It's kind of the terrible third person yeah. camera angles that were all the rage in the '90s. And you don't even can't even see the room yet, but you hear the radio, and you know, oh shit, there's something here. Right. Yeah. Um, I had a question for the three. All you just brought, brought this up a little bit. Is plot in video games ever a thing that's like? I mean, how many video games can you think of off the top of your head that have great plots? A few in recent years. Yeah, I know that that Bioshock Infinite is chided for having kind of a you know not so perfect ending. They kind of. It, it, it goes places that a lot of people are like, bullshit, but that game is, it's entirely the plot for the Bioshock games. I mean, the gunplay is not good in Bioshock. Um, the powers aren't good. Like, the exploration, the tone, and it's the story. There is, which I'm going to talk about later, but there's a, an episode of Black Mirror which, like, references, like, this key plot point where Bioshock 1 turns. And it's just, it's an iconic moment. And and uh, I think there's talks about making a Bioshock movie, actually. For that, it feels unnecessary because playing Bioshock felt like watching a movie. Yeah. A little bit. Like, you don't, it's not like, you know, you enter a room, you kill baddies, you enter the next room, you kill baddies harder and harder, and you kill a boss, and then they, you know, justify the story. Like, everything you're doing is story-driven, and, like, Bioshock Infinite is about you either being or not being kind of the voice of the revolution of people who are rising up against this egalitarian uh, leader who is a self-proclaimed, like, god king um, in this city in the clouds. Like, literally in the clouds. Weird. Um, And without the story, that game is a little insufferable because the combat's just not that engaging. Another game I'll throw out is is the gameplay isn't nearly as good as the story, but the story is so good. It's, I mentioned it, I feel like a lot, but The Last of Us is another game. That yeah. yeah. The totally. story is just mm-hmm. incredible. I think it, it's the only video game that ever, or will probably ever come close to making me cry, mm-hmm. uh, just because it was just hmm. insane. Yeah. Uh, Anything jump out in your mind? Um, I was think a uh, recent game also, I really like the story of uh, Firewatch. Yeah. You, you ever... Uh, I was really excited when I watched the trailer for it, I'm I think I've watched. Yeah, I got I got all jazzed uh, about around like E three two years ago. Yeah, I think now nowadays you're getting much better voice acting talent. Mm -hmm. Well, there was that's interesting, and it's you're getting better writers for it. There are people Mm -hmm. who write movies now, writing video games, and there's like studios that represent video game writers. Uh, And uh, yeah, the Firewatch plot is really good. It draws you in instantly. It's kind of a choose your own path to a certain extent. Yeah. But still, the story is you know so deeply, deeply felt. And you know, it's it's one of those games that are kind of uh, what are chided as walking simulators. Yeah. Like like Gone Home and whatnot. Also has a you know pretty good story that you uncover. Yeah. But voice acting talent's great. The dialogue is great. You got a a partner on your radio that you keep talking to. Delilah. It's some of the best dialogue between them, between the two of those characters. It feels so lifelike. I'm and really it really yeah. develops the story kind of through that relationship mm-hmm. and just different mystery you uncover. Nice, yeah. And I, I'm really interested to see what that studio does next with its 
Firewatch millions because I, from what I understand, it's like a really successful. You know, the trailer game. was fantastic. Yeah, I mean they 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 know. I mean they know their story. They know how to string together a good trailer. I think, yeah. and like the art direction was such a great hook. Yeah, um, but I think the interesting thing is is that now, so like, and this is this is a brief, just pure video game conversation tangent, but. For the longest time, you would have games like Call of Duty and, um, oh my god, the other Call of Duty. Medal of Honor? <laughs> no, the, Black uh, Ops, the Gears of War and stuff? No, the other, Gears of War. Battlefield? Battlefield. That's, I don't know how I forgot yeah. Battlefield. But Battlefield's like, those are like the two, I was going to say monoliths, but that doesn't make sense. But like these two pillars in like the first person <laughs> in the first person shooting community. And, like, fans don't care about those campaigns. They never have. True. They just want to, like, get the multiplayer, service the multiplayer. Like, that's all I want to see. But recently, people have started to take, like, these AAA game developers have been taking their, like, the story mode, like, incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. And, like, putting as much budget and design into them. So it doesn't just feel like a guided tour through, like, the Eiffel Tower exploding. It's like, you know, they're making important plot decisions. Games like Titanfall 2 and, you know, the newest uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare with Kit Harrington. strangely enough, they always rope like three or four celebrities in it. Right. And the campaign from Battlefield 1 are all supposed to be incredible. Like, worth the ticket price for the whole game, even if you never touch the multiplayer. Hmm. And like Doom. TJ and I were talking about and playing some Doom today. The new Doom campaign is really good. And it, you know, they took their time, Bethesda, as a AAA studio, to, like, focus on the plot, focus on the gameplay and the story that you're telling with it. So I think that's happening more and more, and it's not just relegated to the indie game space, like Campo Santo and Firewatch. Um, and, you know, we're going to have more Last of Us's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. I mean, the indie game studios kind of, they seem like they were the crucible of story driving people to get the games. Yeah. And that kind of bled over... That the people playing those games that ended up playing Call of Duties later on were like, this isn't as satisfying. You know, I've gotten the good stuff. Now this is kind of, like you're saying, it's like a almost like downloadable content to your multiplayer game is the yeah, single player. People would play it as like a tutorial, basically. Yeah, but it's, it's like the, uh, the power of the market in video games is now driving storytelling to be a, a big element. Whereas, yeah. you know, back in the day of like PS1 and N64... The story was driven by the player, you know, how you just think about the game. Mm-hmm. Now it's driven by, you know, well-thought-out stories that, you know, trying to deliver themes. That's well said, yeah. I'll, Makes sense. I'll throw uh, Red Dead Redemption as well into the yeah. list yeah. of great stories. That's mm-hmm. a, that's one that I've seen it played so powerful. Yeah. When you cross over to Mexico and you just take that, that, that horse ride yeah. to mm-hmm. the first destination, there's a song that plays over it and you there's not a lot of music that's not noticed just like background music or whatever in the game but like there are a few moments in that game where they use like specific songs for these moments and it's a break from the rest of the game which is really cool yeah but that's uh i feel like it's sort of ventured into like art in video games versus sure yeah yeah and and yeah and now it's not just like indie game studios who like we've got money to do plot or gameplay now they can do all of it yeah, um, because development's getting not easy. They can focus. They don't have to pick one to specialize in to still make a good game. I feel like not only you know can can they do both of them, but now it's expected. The game player is expecting them to deliver both yeah. gameplay and story. And yeah, just my last little aside about AAA doing story. Like fairly recently, one of the big shooter titles. There's a moment that's mocked on the internet. 
because there's like a main character who you're supposed to care about who's been in like all the games who like dies in some tragic way because like I don't know, they get a knife thrown at their face which blows their whole head off but something something dumb and real actiony but like you attend their funeral like their military funeral oh and there's a button prompt that says like press F to pay respects <laughs> don't you like put place a rose on yeah. the basket or something and it's just like, like it's such like a menial thing that they like build as this grand emotional moment and it's like just like hit this button and you'll like honor this person's memory forever <laughs> it's very very heavy rain of them yeah David Cage what a, what a guy <laughs> David Cage makes bizarre games Talking about great adaptations, I will say the best video game adaptation of any kind I've ever seen is a YouTube web series, uh, Mortal Kombat Legacy. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. Uh, Chris has seen it. Yeah. He suggested it to me. It is fantastic. It's, there's two seasons, they're like nine yep. episodes. And just, the first season's all backstories for all the characters, but it's really, really Is good. it the one where like Michael Jai White is Jax? Yeah. yeah. The guy from Spawn? Yep. They yep. basically take... It, it feels good to say that it's not a gritty reboot, um, <laughs> because... It's all too frequent, but it's they take Mortal Kombat universe and they're like, well, if Sonya, if Sonya Blade, her character's actual name, is a cop and Jax is her partner, like, what did they do before the Mortal Kombat? And it's like, well, they were actually detectives and these this like psychopath with like filed down teeth into points with blades that shoot out of his wrists, they're investigating this like like crazy looking serial killer, and so it kind of like. Paints a real world picture around Sounds this like absolute a great fantasy. reboot. <laughs> I think that it was a little gritty already. <laughs> Had some grit. Um, True. Yeah, but I, yeah, I would, I would go so far as to recommend that people hunt that out because it's, it's better yeah. than any of the movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, we'll talk about that. It gets its own podcast. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I pulled up just a list of video game movies, and I thought we could just run through and uh, just. Y'all tell me your thoughts, uh, or haven't seen them, whatever. Uh, Warcraft. Pass. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, it's bad. We tried. It's 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 so insufferable. Like, they could have told a good story, but instead they decided to make lots of money overseas with big budget effects. No idea what the hell's happening um, about three-fourths of the way through that movie. Yeah. Uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Uh, I'll say, Boring. Yeah, really boring. Surprisingly and unnecessarily well, boring. Which one? The first one or Cradle of Life? Um, <laughs> the first one. Yeah, I don't think either of them are very good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they cap- Same review for both, just wondering which one. Yeah, I think we talked about it last week or maybe off pod, but I really like the rebooted oh, Square uh, Tomb Raider game. I only played the first one, I played the second one. Yeah. The movies definitely don't get at what is important about that series. I think that's an important thing with bad video game adaptations is rather than directly importing characters and atmosphere, you need to understand why people play the game. Yeah. Like, the Resident Evil and Silent Hill, it's pretty easy. You know, you import something that is, you know, gives you suspense and terror. With the Lara Croft games, like, it's about the thrill of exploration and, you know, undercovering mysteries and puzzles. Yeah. It's not necessarily, like, a shoot 'em up mm-hmm. Or just, like... Schmidt. Yeah. No, Schmidt. Yeah, a lot of that happened. It was one of the few video games that I played, but a lot of the... Great action was in like cutaway scenes. Yeah, Tomb Raider, and it's like, and it's it's the same with with the new Tomb Raider. Like the most tense parts of that are, and people you know also talk shit about QTEs or quick time events where there's just like a button prompt on the screen, you have to hit it within the timing. But like most tense moments in that first in the first reboot, the Squeenix reboot is 
those QTEs were like the game starts with like her being pursued by a guy who's like obviously going to do some like dastardly shit to her. Yeah, and it's like mm. it feels just really tense. Man, those two minute movies miss completely. Yeah, David's point was really good. I mean, I had so much fun playing. I had a my desktop computer on like the ground in one of the bedrooms. I was mm-hmm. like laying on my belly on the carpet. I had so much fun trying to figure out how to get out of that cave in the first one. Yeah, I mean, I spent two hours figuring it out. It was so much fun. It's yeah, so the pure joy of exploration and like yeah. you know finding your path. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within? Any experience with that? When I was a kid, I thought that it would be so easy to make Final Fantasy video games be like a hundred million dollar movies. <laughs> I thought like this story is so good; these characters are so interesting. You could just directly film this, and everybody <laughs> would go see it. I was a biased little kid. Yeah, yeah. Chris was saying it like bankrupted the company. Yeah, it lost Square Enix a lot of money. This movie, um, Square, yeah, and they weren't Square Enix then. I don't think I might be getting my timeline wrong. But they lost. Maybe in Squaresoft still? No, that was. It would have been Square, just yeah. Square. But yeah, they lost a lot of money on that movie, basically animating hair. And it has nothing to do with the. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> no, it's. They were like, and when the movie came out, it was like they were like, like people were excited, like the effects were incredible, but like nobody gives a shit about a Final Fantasy movie. Yeah, it does have like Donald Sutherland in it. Yeah. And it, it's it's one like it almost feels tacked on like Square, you know, paid for this movie, but it has nothing to do with the Final Fantasy universe, right. especially at the time it came out, like right every, after seven, right after seven, where everything leading up to it was either fantasy setting or slightly, you know, still kind of fantasy setting, but maybe Steam you know, punk-ish. industrial revolution, yeah. yeah, completely unconnected to what made the series important. Yeah, there were already seven, eight, nine, maybe ten games up to that point. That had the Final Fantasy brand on it, and they wrote a new story which was just garbage. <laughs> how, about, uh, how about Street Fighter? I will say one thing about Street Fighter. I have seen it in the theater, but it's not my one thing. I will say <laughs> Raul Julia is awesome as M. Bison. <laughs> I, 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 saw it when I, was I will kid. defend that. Raul Julia, <laughs> I think, is a great actor. It's really sad that he died really young. It was right after this movie, I think. Yeah, I think this this was his last one, his last movie, and he was really sick and couldn't do some of the scenes. But he's just like, he completely gets the movie. Like, he's he is campy and chewing it up and having fun. Everyone else is kind of yeah. in a different movie. Yeah, nobody told Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> it almost looks like there's like voice dub on him speaking English in that movie at times. It's like, possible. They had to get him to dub his own voice. Yeah. Wasn't he supposed to be Guile? Yeah, he was supposed yeah. to be Guile. I was missing his little flat top. Yeah. Little uh, inverted Not only was top. he missing his flat top, he had his Belgian accent. For, like, the only character other than, like, Ken, like, Hollywood Ken, mm-hmm. that's like... True American America, like his stage yeah. is him fighting in front of tanks. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, Guile has three parts of his outfit aside from his hair. It's like camo pants, yep. camo tank top, and a giant American flag tattoo on his bicep. Yeah, <laughs> and then you've got the muscles from Brussels just like eating lines, <laughs> I'm choking so- on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, how about Hitman? I never saw it. I saw Hitman. I I saw the, fir- the first one. The they rebooted Alvin. it. But I saw that Timothy Elephant one with uh, Olga Kurylenko as the Russian person. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it, was uh, it was pretty fun, but it was it's using the the hitman skin just to tell a international shoot 'em up. Yeah, it could have it, it could have been the mechanic. Yeah. Whereas Hitman kind of has a weird, you know, we keep touching into this, but a weird 
mythology in itself. Kind of like, you know, the reason for all the stuff, all the conspiracies, syndicate things. Yeah. And it's just, you know, Timothy Olfin shoots some people and he's got a bald head. Yeah. So. There you have it. Yeah. I don't know. And, Equate that into and, a rating. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's another thing where, like, the games are fun because they're assassination playgrounds where, like, you start and it's like a, you know, a mini, it's like a subdivision size of a level. And it's like, you have to eliminate this target. Like, period. You just have to do it. Like, any way you want, you can go pick up, like, kitchen shears and, like, stab them. Or you can, like, camp out in the house across the street and, like, shoot them with a sniper rifle. And so, like, taking that into making it, like, a single-story-driven movie just seems pointless. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, well, I, we, we kind of have to talk about uh, Super Mario Brothers, I'm sure, because it's the most famously mm. hated yeah. video game adaptation. Yeah. For good reason. It's a... It's a mess. It is bizarre. It's so weird. <laughs> why? Why they did that? It's like not that. even an adaptation. Yeah, that's what that's what me and Chris were saying this morning uh, over breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how did the how did, how did the script get approved? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, how did they take this? Like, let's make a Barbados movie and then make a completely different movie with like a plumber. Yeah, like it that's what all they use were names. It may have yeah. been like a Reese's peanut butter cup thing. It's like <laughs> I have this weird sci-fi movie. I have Mario Brothers. <laughs> And boom, you got your rights in my sci-fi. It's like Troll 2, which wasn't even a sequel to Troll. Or it's like Mario Bros. Oh, yeah. 2, which is Doki Doki Panic. Uh, that's right. In yeah. Japan. Yeah, it's... I mean, it, I, I don't mean to sound so flabbergasted like all podcasts, because it's just like the, the decision-making... It's like it was, it was a three-year-old tugged on his father executive producer's like... Shirt and was like, Daddy, can we make a Super Mario game? And he's like, Whatever. And just like, What are their names? Weird decisions to anthropomorphize some things from Mario and then not others. Like, like Yoshi's like still like a giant raptor. are horrifyingly unsettling. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of the strangest, scariest creations in all of cinema. Secretly, it could be in Silent Hill Resident Evil. Those Goombas. <laughs> yeah, they look like the things that from M. Night's The Village. <laughs> Creeping out of the woods. What is that? The King Koopa's just not a lizard. He's a uh, just dead hopper. hopper. <laughs> yeah. It's like instead, you get it right. No, don't. Yeah, but he's got a like a long jacket he wears, so that's the same. I think you guys have a good point, though. I mean, this movie's been in my life at least for so long that it's like, oh yeah, the movie was weird. But if you really stop to think about, like, the individual, just what that movie is, it is baffling. Yeah. That it even happened. Yeah. You can't take it for granted how weird it is. <laughs> it's been so bad that there's never been another theatrically released Nintendo movie that's not Pokemon. Yeah. Well, well it seems like a good time to segue into uh, better movies. Like movies of that, that aren't based on video games that aren't based on, that because we'll have to make we'll have to make that leap if we want to talk about good movies. <laughs> Although I will say there's a future bit of media that I am excited about, and that is Netflix series on Castlevania, yeah, which is uh, apparently going to happen down the road. Sounds fun, so. but but that's the thing is you have to take it with you know a pinch of salt, yeah, because. Everything else. Oh, I mean, I was so bad. That's a good point. I was really excited when I found out Michael Fassbender was making Assassin's Creed because I thought Fassbender, okay, this will be good. And then it was apparently not like other video game movies. It was probably exactly like Warcraft in that if you live and breathe Assassin's Creed and you wanted to go see the spectacle, yeah, um, you know, it's there for you. But other than that, it's like a it's a garbage movie. Yeah. Um, a few ones that are coming out real quick before we move on from this. Uh, in 2018, there's a 
Sonic the Hedgehog live action movie. I think when you told me that first, I like I audibly just like Ugh. yeah. It's just like I don't know. Uh, there's a Minecraft of the movie that's coming out. That just makes sense. Well, that's got a uh, Rob McElhenney from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's he's like writing it and producing it. Nice. <laughs> could, they could take a weird like Lego Movie slant on it. After Lego Movie, any property I'm willing to give a chance. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're going to make a horror. Comedy film of Five Nights at Freddy's, the phone game. Yeah. Well, Computer going off game. that, I do have a quick quiz of, is this really going to be a movie or not? <laughs> you guys want to play that? Yeah, let's okay. do it. I hope you guys didn't get too deep in your studying and I know all these already off the bat. Wikipedia was the extent of our research yeah. this morning. All right, so I'll, I'll tell breakfast. you, I got this from uh, denofgeeks.com. Okay. Um, they had like 58... Video game franchises that are in development right now. Official yeah. sponsor. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, let us know, or let me know if it is fake or if it's real. All right, first one, Tetris. Real. Real. Fake. It's real. <laughs> it it kind of came out as news it was going to be a like a trilogy. <laughs> trilogy! <laughs> and they're going to have Denis Villeneuve. You can see like the line of posters now, it's just like the cube and the hell. <laughs> no, Arrival was actually a prequel. It's, next time they bring big square ones and ones that look like T's. <laughs> Alright, next one. We got um, Gran Turismo. Yeah. Turismo. I'm going to say, yeah. Didn't they already make that? They made Need for Speed. Yeah, but they made Gran Torino. Oh, that's where I'm getting mixed up. Get off my plate. <laughs> I'm going to say fake because uh, Need for Speed felt so horribly that surely they're going to abandon the racing games for a while. Yeah, but Gran Turismo is like one of the best-selling video game franchises of all time. And it's so ready to be made into a movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's got real cars. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll say real. That's real. That's happening. I got another one. Um, Duke Nukem. Ugh, I hope not. I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say real. I feel like this. They tried this. I think they were trying it, and it for some reason didn't work. I'll say fake. It's fake. Thank God. Yes. That, that game like failed so hard, so fast. All right, getting into more more weird ones. Uh, centipede. Real. Human centipede is already a movie. <laughs> you have to shoot them, and they turn into people mushrooms. Is that a gritty adaptation of centipede? <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say fake. I'll, I'll fake. It's real. Ooh, That's yeah. happening. What about ice climber? I hope, I hope that's real. Real, please. Isn't that called cliffhanger? Uh, fake. That's fake. Damn. Nana about, and Popo uh, are such great protagonists. How about Fruit Ninja? Fruit. <laughs> gotta be real. That's oh. gotta be real. Alright, fine, real. Totally real. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> After Angry Angry Birds is technically a video I've, game. I've seen, I've seen Angry Birds. It's pretty funny. It might be the best video game movie I've ever seen, actually. <laughs> I don't think about it. What about uh, Turok Dinosaur Hunter? Back in the, oh, the it should be real. Days. There's but no way there's like reinvigorated support. Yeah, I'll say yeah, fake. Who's wanting to see that now? Fake, fake. Yeah. <laughs> you, guys, you guys are pretty good about this. Uh, roller coaster tycoon. <laughs> real. I hope that's real for Kelly's sake. Yeah, fake. Congrats, Kelly. It's real. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, my god. Yeah. It's <laughs> and all all this stuff in development. It may not eventually happen. Right. Uh, how about Golden Axe? Genesis Classic. I hope that's real. Fake. fake. It's fake. Damn it. Sorry. Everything that I want to be real is fake. Yeah, what about uh, uh, Altered Beast? Also Genesis. Ooh. Fake. Didn't didn't they already make that movie? Back in the 80s? Altered States? States. Yeah. That's, that's a different one. You is don't that, turn into a wolf in that. Is that Fantastic Beast? <laughs> uh, I'll say real. Real. Awesome. You guys are good at this. It's real. 
That, like an altered beast. I think that would be a fine movie. Not by fine, I mean that is ripe, more ripe than Tetris for like a movie, like a script. Right, what about? We need a long skinny piece. <laughs> <laughs> what about Farmville? Real, real, fake, fake. Oh, oh God. there's justice Thankfully. in the world. It's like words with friends. <laughs> <laughs> and how about Borderlands? I think. I think it's real. I think I've heard something about that. It's real. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're gonna try to make it. Nice. So, what are movies you like that are about video games? Like Wreck It Ralph would be one. Uh, yeah, Wreck It Ralph's great. Forgot about that. Wreck It Ralph was good. There's not a ton of them out there that aren't actual properties. I feel yeah. like The Wizard. Wizard. The Wizard. <laughs> Very formative if you're yeah, yeah. born in the '80s. You're our age. That's yeah. that's a big movie for me. I remember like Super Mario Three got introduced in that movie. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that that movie came out before the game came out, mm-hmm. and it was like this big thing to see this new Mario game. And of course, the kid this little. The, the wizard in the game figures out this impossible cheat in the game. Yeah, and figures out the the whistle warps essentially. Yeah, and like falls behind the the yeah. scenery and runs mm-hmm. through the end. And that was that was the launch, right? Did you just say that? Yeah, that yeah. was the launch. Yeah. And was the power glove out before that? I don't I know, but that was that definitely ins- like it's definitely yeah, a showcase for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of other. It's I guess one of those Tron. Weird, one of those. Oh yeah, Tron. Yeah. Tron's the same way, like. I mean, I guess the only video game in Scott Pilgrim is the, like, Dance Dance Revolution game they're playing. We could segue into movies that feel like video games, in which case, Scott Pilgrim's one of my favorite like that. I mean, it's even more than it feels like a video game. Yeah. It's a video game. It's almost a video game movie that doesn't have a video game first. Except, uh, I love that the, 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 the trend with titling all the Scott Pilgrim properties is... Scott Pilgrim versus the universes for the, the manga or graphic novels, whatever mm-hmm. you want to, you know, get uptight about calling it. And then Scott Pilgrim versus the universe, the movie, and then Scott Pilgrim versus the universe, the movie, the game. Because <laughs> there was like a kind of a beat 'em up River City Ransom style yeah, game's game. Game's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw out Snowpiercer as a movie that feels like a video game. Yeah. Love levels. It feels like it could be like a Streets of Rage side scroller, yeah, like yeah. a Double Dragon, because you're all you're doing is going left to right, which is mm-hmm. you know classic video game logic. You know mm-hmm. you're always going right, and that's a very like I know it's a it's a South Korean director I think who made yeah, that. Yeah, Long 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 yeah it's oh same guy, yeah. same guy. Yeah. Okay, and uh, I know that from having seen like Old Boy, and I know that. John Wick also took a lot of inspiration from Korean cinema. Yeah. That, like, side-scrolling and, and, you know, that sort of aspect is a very common trait in Korean cinema, or yeah. Korean action well, like, old boy, too, you got a lot of left-to-right fighting. You yeah. like him going down the hall. The hammer the scene. Hammer scene. Hammer scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hammer I, did, scene I did a motion with, like, a hammer. Like a, like a hammer. <laughs> to help cue my, my gas mates. <laughs> like a hammer, brother. Um, I will throw out a movie that feels like a video game that... Is such a good movie is Edge of Tomorrow for me. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. you know the live yeah. die repeat is you're in like a Gears of War type game and you keep going back and now you have the knowledge of what you did the last time. Yeah, it really and uh, you know really scratches the itch or really kind of uh, going through a level you die a bunch of iterative times and eventually you can just like speed run it you know exactly how to do. Yeah, and that's what Tom Cruise's character in that movie does. He knows like you duck here, you go here, you do that, and you know keeps getting better iteratively like a video gamer does. It really Did, matches that logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great pull. Did you ever see any of the movie that had that plot before? That the Jake Gyllenhaal movie? Yeah. Was, uh, uh, source Code? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I did like it. I like Source Code a lot. 
Did you see it? No. It's really good. It's not the same plot, it's just the the restart. Yeah, it was less of an action movie, more like a thriller of kind of uncovering stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Edge of Tomorrow is really good. It's really funny. Like the montage of Emily Blunt (laughs) killing Tom Cruise in all these different ways (laughs) when they're trying to figure out. He's like, wait, 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 no, no, no. She's just like ruthless. (laughs) Yeah, context is everything where you can laugh at, you know, your main character being murdered over and over again. Like all the different ways. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. That's a good call in the video games, though. I would never have put that together. That's great. Thank you. (laughs) I also think Pacific Rim, too. It's got a very video game-y feel to me. I feel like like a kaiju movie's cheating, though. Is it? That's like, I mean, no, because that is like a perfect companion to a... Like a video game style, it could be a fighting game. Yeah, it could true. be like a like an adventure game, or even like a mech warrior type, where you're like getting pieces and upgrading. They're making a rampage movie, speaking of Pacific Rim, in the same kind of vein. Yeah. You know who's in it? Who? Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Nice. Making everyone's lives better. Dwayne J. So we got other movies that are, are down the road that are about video games. Uh, Ready Player One. Is going to be very interesting. Uh, yeah. That's right. That's a book if you like video games or really just pop culture at all. I think I like all four the of us read it. All four of us loved it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really good. Liked it a lot. One last thing I'll throw out is uh, best video game adaptations of movies. Goldeneye. Oh, Goldeneye's up there. Oh, yeah. Right. Wow. Also, normally garbage. Most games yeah. based on movies they're, are they're, not they're, very good. Yeah, they use a cash grab on some kind of generic. Yeah. Generic shell of a video game. I remember playing the Jurassic Park Super Nintendo game for a little bit. I think I rented it. Yeah. It was kind of fun for a second. You talked about the Lion King game on like Game Gear, is what I think I played it on. But yeah. God, it was impossible. I think it was like Super Nintendo, yeah. Sega Genesis, and Game yeah, Gear. And, you know, like one of the worst game video games of all time by a lot of accounts is based on a movie. It was the ET. Oh, yeah. Responsible for the crash of the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see the. Uh, uh, the documentary about the E.T. thing. I forgot what it's called. It's on Netflix. Oh, I, I heard about it. Where, where they go to the landfill to find the uncovers all the E.T. cartridges. Yes, uh, they've got... Um, Ernst Klein, who's the author of Ready Player One. Loans his DeLorean to uh, the Game of Thrones author. Yeah, who drives it to the desert. Or no, George R. R. Martin loans his DeLorean to Ernest Klein so he can drive it to the desert where they're digging up all these video games. <laughs> The Ready Player One <laughs> author is pretty dislikable in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it comes off as kind of a douchebag, but it's it's kind of interesting. You know, you hear the that's that's the uh, thing you hear ET crash the video game thing. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a tautology for that. Right, where it's kind of a symptom of that. Yeah. video games yeah. like that kind of crashed it. Yeah. Unlicensed games that really didn't have no uh, you know quality control mm-hmm. flooded the market. Yeah, and I mean, another good, I think the one that stands out in my mind is there was a series of Lord of the Rings games right after the movies. I think the, they, uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they were just really good and, you know, you'd like hot swap between the, like, act, like the playable characters, mm-hmm. between like Gandalf, Legolas, and Gimli, like fighting on, on like, I don't know, I know you don't fight on the two towers. I don't actually know that much about Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but like fighting the Battle of Helm's Deep. Sure. Uh, and actually getting to play as them. Those were supposedly good. And uh, the Shadows of Mordor game, which isn't based yeah. on a movie per se. Yeah, based on the universe, I guess. But it's based on the universe, which I guess is also kind of cheating because that's based on originally, you know, the, the yeah, novel. It's like, do you count bat, like all the Arkham games as being based on a movie? No. Kind of common source material. Yeah, okay. But I mean, like, the there's Urukai and a lot of the same elements 
But I guess they're in the book too. I don't know. But like the visual style is the same. Dor- Dorkly did a 12 best video games based off movies. Mm-hmm. Number one is Goldeneye. Number two is The Two Towers. Okay. Yeah. Were, I've never heard of it. Number three is The Chronicles of Riddick game. Hmm. I've never played it, but I love the Chronicles of Riddick movie series. Number four is there's apparently the Warriors video game. Oh, that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. That's also a movie that feels like a video game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. It was just made before video games were like sure. that. I know Brent plays a lot of Star Wars games, but Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, is, is that really good? I had a Rogue Squadron game, and it was good. Uh, yeah. It doesn't have the Aladdin game in the list, and I do remember that game was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Also very hard. Yeah. Yeah. But so so would you count, like, st- the first Nintendo 64 Star Wars game, Shadows of the Empire, would you count that as a game based off a movie or a game based off a book? Book. Yeah. Because technically it's based off Dash Rendar because the book came out while Han Solo was still frozen in carbonite and they needed a smuggler type to drive this plot they wanted to write. Yeah. Okay. I remember that game being a lot of fun back in the day. It is. It's it still pretty fun. Yeah, the different, the variety of of missions you do is the, the auto aim is pretty nice too. Yeah, yeah, for blasters. Well, especially like going from like playing Goldeneye to playing that. Where Goldeneye, I'd forgotten until like um, there was a PC re-release of Goldeneye where they mm-hmm. kind of like updated all the technology, mm-hmm. um, and then you play with the mouse and keyboard, and there's like live servers for it. But like in the original sixty four, if you want to have like precise aiming in Goldeneye, you have to stop moving. Hold down the R button on that already awkward controller, and then your crosshair starts in the middle, and you have to like move it around yeah. your small box, but you can't be moving and aiming at the same time. Yeah. yeah. It's the going back to shooters before twin sticks or before the dual action with the, you know, the WASD and, and yeah. click. Before combat was evolved. Yeah. <laughs> before Halo. I, I didn't say it. It's, it's like all strafing. That's yeah. what those games were. Yeah. Non-stop yeah. strafing. Hit in those fact, C buttons. In fact, the, if they make a video game adaptation of a shooter, I would love to see a... Or, I'm sorry, a movie adaptation of a first-person shooter. I would love to see a movie where all the characters just strafe constantly. <laughs> and then duck. <laughs> Straf- strafing and crouching. See, that's what constantly. I thought The Lobster was about. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right, I think that pretty much does it for talking video games, talking movies, talking talking talk. Uh, I knew I was going to end that sentence, and I was just so despairing it. <laughs> anyway, who's got homework this week? I, I think I do. Watched your guys' movies. You have repented. I've repented. And we also I wanted, watched your movie. <laughs> I watched my. Mo- I did not do that. <laughs> I did watch this one this week, though. It's something I didn't talk about in your watch list. You already watched it? I did. Um, (laughs) And it has a tie-in to video games, too. It's Jordan Vogt Roberts. He's actually attached to the... He's a director who's attached to the... To finally doing Metal Gear Solid as a movie. And he... he, Apparently, Hideo Kojima is contributing to the screenplay. Okay. That game... That's even worse. (laughs) We didn't talk about that, but that story is insane. Yeah. But he he made a movie in 2013 called The Kings of Summer. It's a really fun coming of age thing about a couple boys who are up to no good. <laughs> no, they they kind of make their own. They build their own home out in the woods, and it's just a really great coming of age story. Nick Offerman is a dad in it. Allison Brie is in it. Oh, fun! It's a couple years nice. ago before some of these guys kind of blew up a bit more. What's the uh, what's the platform? For the that? platform is Amazon Prime. Okay. And I I watched it because I had it downloaded to my uh, mobile device since last March and finally watched it. But it's very enjoyable. It's funny and very coming of age. It's got some feelings in it. 
Cool. Nice. Should be less soul crushing than my original homework assignment. Cool. You wouldn't know. <laughs> All right. So homework assignment is the Kings of Summer available on Amazon Prime. So this is Talky Talk, the Media by Us podcast. You can connect with us on Twitter at the Media by Us. Email us via themediabyus at gmail.com or our Facebook groups, Movies by Us, TV by Us, and Games by Us. We would love to hear you hear from you for any podcast topics, and please subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcatching app. Please give us a five-star rating to prop up our poor self-esteem. <laughs> and it also keeps us, uh, keeps us doing this every week. Yeah. So thanks to Chris, Brent, TJ, and thanks to myself. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Talking about boom. Jobs and J Park all day long. You believe me, believe Your butt is your butt. I like those. You like them? Yeah. Why? You like the butt hug? It's like a robot that hugs you. <laughs> <laughs>